0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, if I was, I wasn't, I can't quite decide if I was going to name this talk whether it would be embracing imperfection, listening, or saying yes. <laughs> so um, maybe we'll see what happens, but sort of that's the theme for me when I was thinking about um, sort of the biggest gift for me that mindfulness has given me is is the pr- learning how to embrace imperfection and in order to do that I have to listen to what's going on And but to be able to hear I need to be able to say yes, right um, it's uh, there's a lot of blocks that came up for me, come up for me in parenting around things like, well, that's not supposed to happen, right? Um, I'm not supposed to be a single parent or my kid's not supposed to have colic or, you know, things that are hard. They're not what we wanted, right? And um, kids getting hurt, you know, simple things to big things. And... Uh, What I, you know, found, and I'm sure you're perfectly aware of, is the things that I say no to, that I resist, that I, you know, have perceptions or beliefs or fixed views about or I really think, you know, um, need to happen are the things that tend to create the most suffering in my parenting for my kids and for me. So here's a little quote. This is by uh, Anne Cushman living from the inside out. My practice is teaching me to embrace imperfection, to have compassion for all the ways things haven't turned out as I planned. In my body and in my life, for the way things keep falling apart and failing and breaking down, it's less about fixing things and more about learning to be present for exactly what is. So sometimes I call this my yes meditation, my yes to life, my yes to this meditation, and it, that helps. That really helps me a lot. Um, you know, I think I think back to like the idea of saying yes to being a parent, right? And you know, that was not an easy yes, but when it was a yes, it was a yes, right? It was a commitment. Um, And you just have no idea how many more things you're going to have to say yes to when you start out on this journey. No clue, right? And, you know, um, parenting, I don't think anyway, I don't think I've met anyone who could say that, insist that loving a kid only brings happiness, right? It doesn't just bring happiness. Now, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change any of it for the world. There aren't, you know, I don't think any of it's a mistake or a problem at this point. You know, I can really look back at everything that has happened and gone wrong or been a challenge if it, you know, felt like it was wrong at the time. And, um, you know, it's a mystery how it all works. But there's been tremendous growth and learning in and, and, and all of it, right? um along the way um you know it's some things are harder to say yes to than others i think having a kid with an illness or severe challenges is really a hard thing to say yes to it's really hard because our kids are suffering right and then we have to see it over and over again that's really hard um and yet even in the most difficult things, I think there are moments that aren't hard. The kid's not suffering. I'm not suffering. You know, it's really okay. There's beauty beauty there. I can, like Heather, you know, talking about the joy of being in the moment. And I know that um, another part of that, the no as it creeps in is, you know, the sense, the belief that it shouldn't be this way. And that when I start to go into the no... And um, is when I start to tighten up and I get disconnected from the present moment. Um, There's, and and, you know, saying yes is, is a great practice and watch out for the yes buts and the yes if (laughs) and the yes and, right? There's, we can, we can say, okay, yes, okay, I can, I can accept this. Yeah, I can say yes to this. But, you know, just a minute later, if you watch the mind, you'll hear the but. <laughs> this, you know, this isn't fair. Um, but it wasn't supposed to go this way. This isn't what I signed up for, you know. Um, and that, to me, is about attachment. You know, the clinging or the attachment to our views or our beliefs, our opinions about how things are supposed to be. And when we're when we're in that kind of mind state, the attachment and the, the buts and the ifs or the nos create a lot of controlling energy, a lot of tension, a lot of um, negotiating can happen in the mind. Well, if I do this or if that had only happened, right? Which again pulls one completely out of the moment. And I think I stop listening. I don't hear anymore what's happening right here. And um, so I think that um, Rumi says it best. <laughs> I love Rumi. Um Out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and right doing, there is a field i 'll meet you there when the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about so sort of embracing the idea that you know what happens in life is beyond right and wrong it's you know it's 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 just happening, and it 's a lot easier if we can get outside of the the mind that wants to evaluate and judge, and fix, and change, or negotiate. Ajahn um, Decero says, concerns and worries are byproducts of attachments. And in uncertain and dangerous world, they're almost like a love tariff. <laughs> right? So... It's, very na- it's not that these things are a problem or, you know, it's nature for us to get attached to our kids and what we want and all these things. But, but there's a price. There's a price. And so when we get too far behind the moment, when we lose too much contact with these things as they come up, they can become like blinders. Um, we, they be- we can have pro- projections that we um, place on our kids um about About who they are, who we think they should be, um, and you know i, I didn 't say this in the beginning, I suppose I should have said in terms of in way of introduction, but you know i 'm a therapist, so what <laughs> but because I thought being a therapist, having kids, I thought, well, I understand, I understand, you know, I see my habits, I know what I came from i 've done my own therapy. You know, I, um, you know, I know that I have this tendency because of my, the way I was raised, so I'm not going to do that to my kid. Well, it was pretty phenomenal as my daughter, who's the older, she's pretty articulate kid, always has been very perceptive. And I started to hear back from her comments like, you don't trust me. Or um, you think I would just um, use things without asking you, and it was one day after um, she, there was a she had a she brought a cookie tray home that had been used for a school play project right that was a, um, I thought was mine and I thought had been destroyed, and I thought she took my cookie sheet to her class without asking me and, you know, ruined it. And so then I hear this back from her, and then I realize this isn't my cookie sheet. This is from her other house. (laughs) And I'm hearing, you know, she's right. She's right. I actually am believing that she's going to take things and not ask me and i had no idea that i was doing that right and i you know when i was a kid it was you know I, it felt like i i could never do anything right right i it just was always i you know i was trying to do it right but then i do one thing i thought would be right and i get trouble for something else right and that's just some of us grow up and we have different kinds of conditions but that was how that experience was really Coloring how I was projecting onto my daughter. Really something that had nothing to do with her. Nothing at all. And I didn't know what was happening. You know. Until I could hear her. Until I had this clear concrete sort of feedback. And so um, what I finally realized was until those things are resolved in me. I'm going to project these things. You know, until I've had enough practice, until I'm aligned, <laughs> until I die, these things are all going to be constantly working their way through me. And um, you know, they change and they soften. My experiences—they really do change and soften. But it's only when we meet them, right, in the moment, with the the listening and the the connecting the mindfulness practice that they start to dissolve. And so one of the other things that I learned at that point was I I needed to start telling my kids about my own shit. Excuse me. <laughs> you know, like to say, yeah, you're right, you know, I I freak out about money. Like I just have money anxiety. And it's not your fault, you know. And it's not that I don't want to give to you or take care of you. But I have, this is what happened. This is my mom. This is her story. This is what happened to her and her parents. And I inherited all of this. And, you know, I'm sorry. I'm giving you some of it too. And I'm going to try and talk about it and sort of process this with you. So you see. when you see it happening, you can name it. You don't have to absorb it the way that I did. Um, but I couldn't, I could, if I wasn't willing to listen to my kids, um, I probably wouldn't get to know some of this stuff about myself. So, um, there's, there's two parts to listening. There's listening inwardly and there's listening outwardly. There's two huge, amazing worlds, this world in here and this world out here, and the more we can practice mindfulness all the time daily in our life and as we parent, it's like having potentially it can be like having um if there's a doorway between the two worlds where things come and go, it's like having somebody in the doorway watching and seeing more clearly what's coming in and what's going out and um and you know. When we when we can do that, we start to see more and more of how this is happening. And we, you know, you said Patty something about always being a little behind your kid, and I totally relate to that. And um, it's like just as I think I've kind of caught up and accepted, okay, well now she's having, we're doing this, <laughs> or now this is happening, you know, um, there's something else. You know, you accept it, and then they're ready to go. You, as soon as you catch up to them and, and if you don't they'll, they'll make sure you do in some way or another um, it just frees them up to keep moving it just just creates less resistance and then they can go to the next thing and so the more I can unfold with them and stay with them and listen I feel like the, the more it lives gives them the permission to be who they are and to move through life and grow however they're going to grow um So uh I was on retreat recently and um I was having a um, one night one day one probably most of one day I had one of those tough days of it was really hard to just kind of be present you know it was um it was just a lot of anxiety that had come up in the body, and a lot of energy, and the mind just kept wanting to take off. And so I was laying in bed at the end of the day, and I was still trying to practice, right? And, and I ended up chanting with myself this little mantra that, that I really like, and I call it lift, and I'm going to share it with you. Because it really felt like, actually, the practice I used in that moment that was just between me and myself, but it really felt like a a practice for life for me. And um, it's listen, right? So I was so worked up and so busy fighting with whatever was going on for me, I wasn't listening. It was like... um, I just, you know, to, be, to listen is a pretty amazing thing, really. You have to be receptive. You have to be in the present moment. And you have to sort of all of that projection and expectation and all the ways that you wish things were, you need to let go of it to really let in what's being said and shared, to really let in the experience. Rumi says, the quieter you become, the more you are able to hear. There is a voice that doesn't use words. Listen, <laughs> he says. This, um, let's see. And, you know, by chance, Gil just wrote an article in the newsletter on listening, so I recommend it. It's quite nice. Um, and he says um, that listening is active and always in the present moment. When we listen, we are present. And so I started to listen, right? I started to be able to listen to what was happening inside of me and just the feeling of what was going on. It was great it wasn't quite enough. So the next mantra became feel. So it wasn't enough just to listen, but I needed to feel. I needed to feel with what I was hearing. I needed to open up enough to let my heart sort of be impacted by what was happening. And um, so it became sort of listen, feel, listen, feel, and that helped, and that helped. And then I was like, okay, but there was something else, and. And I realized there was still some resistance, you know. There was still... Or some effort to try and make things go in a particular way. So the next word was follow. Follow. Stop trying to control, negotiate, manipulate, understand. Let go of my agendas, right? And allow things to be the way they were. Live in the flow of time, right? Just to follow... You listen, you feel it, and then just follow it. Let You don't have to know where it's going. And then um, the final piece for me was, okay, trust. I need to trust this, right? I need to trust. We're born of love, and love is our mother, you know, is a great phrase. Um, it helps me when I trust, like when I think about my kids, bringing them back into this conversation um, you know to trust that they are you know these amazing human beings that I don't have to manipulate and interfere too much. What I need to do is create the space for them, you know a safe space and give be involved enough and hear and feel enough and listen enough that they 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 feel felt you know, and they have the container and the safety, but they they get to kind of blossom, you know it's like putting Something, you know, one of those amazing tea leaves in the water and letting it unfold and unblossom, you know. You're not going to go in there and pull out each petal, right? It does it itself. You just have to provide the environment and enough space, sometimes less, sometimes more. But we have to trust that that they're going to, that they will find their way, right? They will. So... Um, there's a couple of um, simple ways to think about doing a yes practice with your kids and um, I kind of thought about it like it really changes as they grow I think, the way that I said yes to them when you have little kids, when I had little kids often it was referred to for me as special time and um, so Really, it's about setting aside time at that age where they get to decide what you're going to do. You're just going to follow. And, you know, it's about sort of a... You really can be a challenge because a lot of times what they're going to want to do are things that you don't want them to do. So you you know you can set some boundaries like you don't hurt yourself you don't hurt anyone else you know maybe you don't destroy things, but essentially if they want to eat a bag of cookies and you're you can handle it you let them eat a bag of cookies kind of thing right? They want to watch the TV, you let them. Things that they know you don't want them to do they're gonna do. And their little kids will respond with delight most of the time. They're just Really astounded that they get to do this, you know it's just amazing um, but they're really in charge and 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 your practice becomes to do the listening and following you know, and you you'll need to do a lot of i needed to do a lot of practicing with myself and feeling and Along the way, and sort of accepting and coming back, and watching my own resistance, and watching how much I wanted to say, Oh, honey, well, if you do it this way, <laughs> you know, or, or do you want this paper, or this pen works better for that? None of it. You give it all up, and you just let them bring it all forward and let them be in charge completely. So you do that for a set period of time. So that's like can be a really nice early stage practice of, of doing the yes. You know, listening meditation practice. I found that in the middle school years, it's more like a deeper listening, kind of um, taking them really seriously. Um, sometimes, you know, as the parent, you know, you're just you know that this problem is not that big of a deal, but um, but really letting them sort of have their experience and their perception of how difficult something is and. And asking them maybe what what might be helpful, and again, following, just following you know um, and with the by the time they're teens, I found it is more like a, this constant catching up, constant saying yes to you know in various ways, so you know that might be um, the latest one for me was. Um, my daughter was really pissed at me because um, in order to drive my extra car, um, I'm requiring her to drive my son around. And that means her. she has to get up really early in the morning a couple of days a week. And she said, I hate you for making me drive. And I was really glad that I had been working on this very sort of actively saying yes. And so I said, Thank you for telling me your truth. Okay. That's it. That's that. You know, that's just saying yes. Okay, you hate me. And okay. So there's some things that are easier to say yes to and some things that are a lot harder to, you know, not to defend myself, not to try and get her to, you know, change that experience or that perception. Just let her have it. So, um, one other thing to say about this is that actually, I I would say that this practice can operate like a magnifying glass for ourselves, like for things that will lead to suffering. (laughs) You know, sort of like will really bring you in contact with some of the things that you're resisting or not wanting. Um, Some of the ways you worry about how your kid is gonna turn out or that you think they're selfish or that they're, you know, to this or to that. So for you if, it's, if you, if you have my experience, it becomes about really letting that magnifying glass help me get in touch with those feelings, um, those worries that I have, those projections or those concerns. And um, I don't, they, can't, they have no room here, right? They don't get to, they don't get to act out. I get to know them and hold them, and have, we let them have their space inside of me. But the more I can just let those things melt, the happier I think my kids get. I think they, even if we don't say these things that we worry about about them, or they, I think they feel it; they pick up on it. So it's also about needing to say yes to myself. Yes to my own judgments, my, my own fears. Yes to my contractions. Yes to my sort of worries. Yeah, okay, this is what worry feels like. <laughs> this is what thinking I know what is going to happen for my kid feels like. This is thinking I know how my kid should behave is what it feels like. And so I don't, you know, the practice is very much about um, listening, right? Following, trusting, um, the following part, the only sort of, um, sometimes I think we get confused and we really need to be mindful about the hindrances or greed, hatred, and delusion, right? So if, if those things are present, if we're feeling a lot of wanting energy or not wanting energy or these projections or delusions, right, these beliefs that things should be a certain way, those aren't what you should listen to and follow, right that's not that's not the voice that we're trying to listen to that's we need to know that it's there but there's a quieter voice than that there's a quieter voice that will sort of have more clarity so sometimes when we're really i'm really caught up it's hard to get even when my like my daughter was saying you know I hate you um I was just glad I'd been having this practice, so I would just say what I said because I was also filled at the same time with feelings around what she had just said, right? And so in that moment, there wasn't really a whole lot more I could have done, right? Um, for me, it was like I was kind of aback, you know, sort of taken aback and hurt, and um, and okay, I understand too, right? Um, so let's see. Um, I think that this is a cleansing process, actually. Um, and, you know, love tends to get intertwined with other emotions. Um, it's pretty easy, and it can be alarming at how easily the defilements can destroy love, right? How the... Greed, hatred, and delusion can really sour a relationship, but you know if we can if we can examine our love with a neutral and unbiased mind, the attachments that have arisen will gradually dissolve um, the attachments to wanting things to be a certain way or wanting our kids to know be like us or be kind or whatever Um, and then those impurities and those attachments can fade away and the heart becomes more free we're able to love I think more easily like when our kids are younger you know before we start to worry about them in other ways it's a lot easier to, to just sort of love them, like just see them in this beautiful, amazing light. They can't really do anything wrong in a lot of ways. But that starts to change when they start to have to be in school settings and other parents start to, you know, criticize or their your kid hurts another kid or the teacher, you know, it, it starts to change. It gets It gets more complicated and they start to have more personality and more opinions and you know sort of push you know they've found more about who you are and you have a dynamic dance and they're going to do things that are going to trigger things in you you didn't know were there at least that was my experience is my experience so so the idea of um, growing with them as they grow and Learning to say yes in different ways as they grow. Um, for me, is is nice to think about it as a, a practice of purification. And we're cleaning our own hearts for you know our own selves too. And um, and I think um, there's something really really quite special about listening. Really listening, being in the present moment With your, yourself and your, your kids And embracing things So I'll read you a little story And then we're going to do a little reflection A famous story from, the Ramayana, from Ramayana An epic poem in the Hindu, Hindu tradition Illustrates the power of careful listening The story tells of Rama walking along in the forest with some companions. When Rama starts hearing the faint whisper of a voice, he asks his companions if they can hear it. They say no. Rama begins to walk toward the whisper. As he gets closer, he recognizes it as his name that is being spoken. Rama. Rama. As the voice becomes louder his friends say they still cannot hear it. Finally, Rama comes to a large boulder from which the sound comes. He then places his two hands gently on the boulder. At this point, the rock breaks open and inside is a person who has been stuck in the rock through a magic spell. By listening to the whisper, he was able to discover what was locked up and then release it. And sometimes I think my kids have been that prisoner inside that rock. And that rock is my own projections, my own doing. And so when I can listen and stop and follow and touch it, the rock breaks open and my kid can come out. And that's a really beautiful thing. In this way, to listen mindfully is to give up care in order to hear the faint whispers inside others and ourselves and to discover the significant thoughts feelings and desires that may be shy or overlooked once discovered the quiet whispers then have the opportunity to be heard and then um, I thought that we could just take a quiet moment give you a chance to and just sort of close your eyes and check in with yourself and just notice if there's anything that arises that is a whisper that's calling your name anything that you would like to say yes to you're having a hard time saying yes to or finding just honoring whatever comes forward for you not needing to go searching or create anything. It might be something quite small or what seems small. So just listening to that whisper for a moment in you, noticing where you feel it in your body, what it feels like or sounds like or maybe looks like in your own mind. Listening and feeling it. Following and trusting. So, in our last um, 14, 15 minutes together, what I'd like to do is pass the microphone back around and just allow you to share um, any reflection that you feel like you'd like to share. Or um, it can be a great practice to say out loud something that you connected with during the listening um, that you found helpful. It might be specifically related or unrelated, but something that found You felt like an opening or something that you heard or felt that was important to you um, that you'd like to practice with or or listen to more. So if you want to share something like that, that would be great. So for me, the um, idea of saying yes
1: is something that seems to be coming up in a lot of Dharma talks recently. I don't know if I'm just hearing it or if people are actually talking about it, but um, it's something that, and and the idea of trust, those are two things that I um, could use improvement on. Um, so it's helpful to hear it again. It's just it's one of those things that I keep. It's like oh yeah right, and then I forget, it, and then oh yeah right, I need to, you know. So I'd like the idea of just. Um, Yes, but is really a lovely thing to, <laughs> to try and remember. So those are two things that I'll take away. Would you like me to hold this for you? <laughs> um, I think I connected with a lot of what you were saying, um, but even just recently, I think just with my daughter, who's you know two years and four months. Um, I found myself, you know, even talking to my husband, being like, is she getting a little too bossy, you know? Or, like, it, it's starting that, that feeling of um, judging and feeling the responsibility to shape them to be more socially acceptable, to be more nice, to be more, you know, um, all the wholesome qualities that everyone strives for. Um, and then, you know, I've had my mom stay with us um, to help, you know, help out with, with um, our latest audition. Um and, you know, seeing the way that she interacts um, reminds me of kind of the way that I grew up with a lot of coercion, a lot of, you know, judgment and, you know, she really kind of um, feels like it's our duty to, to make sure that they, you know, become as perfect as possible. And so it it's really hard for me to to shed that. And I think that um I think your talk just really reminded me of like, okay, this is this is the baggage that I carry, but it doesn't mean that I just pass that on because that's the way it should be. It's like there's a reprogramming I feel like I need to do to remind myself, especially, I mean, even um, I feel like around me, you know, we're surrounded by people that judge and criticize and evaluate. And so it's, it's pushing against that um, to say it, it's okay, you know, to, to not put on that burden that I have to shape her into something. Yeah. So... Thank you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: thank you. Um, thank you for everything you shared, and um, what it brought up for me in thinking about listening is um, the necessity to be vulnerable when you're listening and that's a challenge for me and I'm also a single mom so um, being vulnerable does not come easy I'm like the mother lion the provider the you know shaper of behavior you know that whole thing and um, so it's not easy for me to be vulnerable uh, internally and in front of my daughter and when when I have been She just melts. It's lovely. So thank you for that reminder.
3: Thank you. So um, I'm in school to get my my psychology degree. (laughs) And I took all these attachment classes and all these Mm -hmm. things while I was pregnant. And so I panicked all through my pregnancy about my projection and all the things and I'm still doing it because he's only two months old. But I really like, I know I'm going to do it. Like, I'm making my peace with that and trying to really work on being mindful. Like, even now, sometimes, I'm like, he hates me because he doesn't want me to hold him right now. I'm like, oh, my God, he doesn't hate me. So I have all of that. But I really like the idea of listening to him. I mean, right now he's not going to say, well, he does, but not a lot of words. So, um to listen for that kind of projection or or what I'm doing rather than trying to panic and control myself and because I was driving myself nuts, essentially it's like, how am I gonna control this? Like, I know this happened when I was a kid and my mom yelled a lot and so when I you know, I don't want to be like that with him and the more I like tried to like clench it down, the more I more anxious I got and the more snappy I got in like the rest of my life. So then I I like that idea of like, you know, if he says something to me your daughter said like I think that would really help me kind of like help him talk and me listen and also take some of the pressure off of me to constantly like monitor myself I mean I'm going to be mindful but the way I've been doing it has been really probably too much so so thank you
4: Can you hear me there? Um, so uh, I find one of the things that this brought up for me is you were you were talking about younger kids and then you jumped to middle school. And um, I realized that uh, I think I've been quite nostalgic for the younger age. It seems more manageable and more fun in so many ways and when my son comes home, I'm not sure what I'm going to get every day, and he's, um, I don't know, he's in that age, you know, he's just about teenage, and um, uh, instead of sort of fighting that and saying, you know, I wish he was back in elementary school, (laughs) I think I I just kind of need to adjust somehow, and you know, be the parent that—that that, uh, is a parent of a middle school kid, and and you know, just be present for that instead of wishing for something different. Um,
5: I think I reflected a lot on your talk when it. Um, I was trying to think of. There's a lot of things that came up, I guess, but just trying to remind myself when you were saying that you provide this environment, all I can really do is model what I what I hope I want him to be, which is, like, yeah, I hope that he's kind, and I hope that he's empathetic, and the only way I can try to mold him to be that way is to do the, these things myself, and to constantly remind myself that to practice what I preach, and, uh, and that, well, I mean, that also means that I'm, I'm focusing on the greater good for me, which I think a lot of parents don't do. They don't take care of themselves sometimes. They just put everything into that child, and then at the end, when the child leaves, it's like, oh, wait, now what? <laughs> so I think that if I can focus on me and making sure that I'm doing things well for myself and modeling good behavior for him, that this will at least make me feel better along the way with things. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think that's what I reflected on. Is just trying to be a good me and hope that that makes a good Henry.
2: Um, yeah, so this is... It was very interesting. Uh, I actually just went to a, another parenting class called Positive Discipline. And... Um, is my my so i just want to talk about that for a second because for me like um like i grew up in a family where there was no discipline and i don't know how to do that stuff either i don't really like authority figures and i've gotten in a lot of trouble because of that to be honest um but i don't think that's actually the yes parenting that you're talking about um but it could be it could be, you know, a fine line, maybe, you know what I'm saying? So, um, I don't know. I think it's, I, I do feel like with my kids, I've been a yes dad, but also a dad that lets my kids do whatever they want a little bit too much. And I'm working on that, you know, but I feel like happy that, you know, and I, I, cause I, after going to this positive discipline class, I felt really like bad, like Oh, man, you know, I never was raised like that. You know, I don't know how to be a good disciplinarian and have consequences and stuff like that. And, and it kind of went, left that feeling sort of bad about myself, you know, and then, but I guess kind of hearing your talk, it made me feel a little bit more, I don't know, at peace with myself. Cause I know that my kids totally love their dad, like 100%. And, and I don't think it's just because I let them do what they want, but it's because I'm, I try to be there for them and um, just, you know, tell them how much I love them and, and look them in the eye and, you know, just be present with them. And um, and it's a beautiful thing, you know what I mean? So, But, I mean, more will be revealed. I have a lot to learn.
0: Okay. We just have a couple minutes, so why don't we just sit for a minute and end? Thank you.